Happy Mother's Day. I'd like to wish a happy Mother's Day to not only mothers, but mother figures. I don't think moms get enough recognition uh, for all that we do to keep our children alive, which sometimes is a big feat, but also to keep them happy and healthy. So today, because I get to, I'm going to show you a picture of my beautiful kids. Like, come on, guys. Come on. No wonder I think they're the most precious humans on the planet. Blake and Harper are three and four. They're only 15 months apart, so yes, I am a sucker for punishment, but I wouldn't have it any other way. They're best friends, they're hilarious and cute, and it's such a privilege to be their mom. Now, it might come as a bit of a surprise, I'm not actually going to speak about moms today. Sorry. If you know anything about me, I like to ask questions. I like to ask difficult questions, uh, some that people like to shy away from answering. I like to dig deep and I like to know why I feel the way I feel. So my question for you today, both in person and online, is who do you think you are? Now, I don't mean it to say it that way, although that does kind of draw you in for a second. Now, some of you might have a difficult time answering this question, so I'll go first. I am a mom. I am a coffee lover, rather passionate one, a daughter, baby of the family. I am single. I am a loyal friend, a singer, a worship leader, a good driver. I am an Enneagram 6, 6 wing 7 to be exact. I'm a world traveler if you count Europe and North America. I am a woman. And the last thing and the most important thing about me is that I am a follower of God. Today I want to talk about what it means to have your identity in Christ. In other words, believing what God says about you. And not only that, believing that that is the most important thing, that is the truest thing, more than anything else. It's having your identity in something that can't ever be taken away, no matter what. Another thing, I love mugs. I have about a hundred of them, and I'm not exaggerating. My mom can attest to this, and many other people in my life. Some people call it an addiction. I like to call it a collection. I also have a lot of mom mugs. Those are my favorite. So you might be wondering what this thing is over here, and it's uh, some of my mugs I want to show you. First one, hashtag mom life. Next one, boss mom. Mother, number one, real life superhero, boo-boo fixer, keeper of snacks, and your biggest cheerleader. This one's a really good descriptor, mama bear. This one's from Disney, for any Disney fans. Just says, there we go. Just says, mom. I actually bought that for myself. I have more. This one says, mom bird. You think I like animals? Super mom. This one says, teacher, maid, chauffeur, nurse, counselor, friend, mom. Isn't that precious? Love that one. This one says, totally the best mom ever. They're not messing around. Let's see. This is one of my favorites. It says, may your coffee be stronger than your toddler. Let me tell you something, it never is. <laughs> I even have more at home, actually, so I decided to uh, just take a few. 
If you uh, know anything about Mean Girls, this one says, I'm not a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. This one's good for traveling, it says, mom. And not only do I like mom mugs, I like mom shirts. So, first one, madre, if you like to uh, wear something in a different language. Madre means mom. This one actually is one my best friend bought me for my birthday this past year, and it says, Mama needs coffee. And lastly, this one, hipster mom, mama bear. Now actually there are a couple more shirts, but I spilled coffee on them. I love being a mom. I'm so proud of being a mom, but I know that even though that would be a totally acceptable thing to find my identity in by society's standards, it's still not Jesus. Something I've learned in my short 32 years of life on earth is this. If your identity is in someone or something that can be taken away on this side of heaven, then it's in the wrong thing. Now, some of you may be thinking, there's nothing wrong with being proud of being a mom. A business owner, a teacher, a pastor, etc., etc. You're right, but I'm not saying you can't be proud of those things. The problem lies when you only see yourself through the lens of those things, in what you do and what you've done. Work, talents and abilities, responsibilities and hobbies, whatever it may be, if first and foremost your identity is not in God alone, and those things mentioned are ever taken away from you, if you lose your job, if you become an empty nester, whatever the case may be, what then? What will your purpose be? Society tells us to be who we want to be and we are who we think we are. But the problem with that is we can't rely on inward reflection because we may not like who we are at any given moment and our feelings aren't always reliable. And if you're having a hard time seeing anything positive about yourself, you need to ask yourself this question, who told you that? What voice is dictating how you see yourself? What you think about yourself will influence the decisions you make and the trajectory of your life. What I've learned about God is that sometimes he changes things in our lives in order for us to refocus and turn to him, to get our hearts and our minds aligned with his. Maybe your identity isn't in, in what you do, but how you look, how you dress, what you drive, the size of your house, what phone you have. Here's a different thought. Maybe it's in what you don't have. Are you single? Low income? Struggling with health problems? Struggling with mental health? Of course those things would affect how you see yourself and how you see your life. But it's a focus on things that are earthly and how we just don't have enough. Maybe you'd admit that your identity isn't in what you do, but what has been done to you. I see you. I hear you, your pain is valid, and I don't wanna take that away from anyone. But what I will say is that we have to move forward and allow God to heal us from those things we are ashamed to even speak of. Shame keeps us in the dark from living in freedom, from living in our purpose, and from accepting Jesus and his love.
But shame cannot survive when it is brought into the light. If shame is your identity, you will not live the abundant life Jesus spoke of in John 10.10, which says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. A life of identity in Jesus is an abundant life. It's a life of purpose and freedom and joy. But we have to focus on Jesus. We have to be kingdom-minded in order to live a life of purpose and freedom and joy. Colossians 3, 2-3 says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Our lives are so deeply rooted in God that they are hidden in him. Nothing can touch it. It's concrete. So it was the spring of 2014, and I, uh, I was leading quite a bit. I was singing probably every other week, sometimes more. And I was finding that after I would sing, I would have a raspy voice or I'd lose my voice altogether. Fast forward to July of 2014, I was leading at Beulah Family Camp in Browns Flat, New Brunswick. And after I was singing there, I started to have throat pain. Now, some of you who maybe aren't vocalists or don't quite understand singing, that would probably be a vocalist's worst fear. To have a raspy voice, to lose your voice, to have throat pain, because what it could possibly point to is nodules. Now, some of you may have heard someone say, those, say that word, but you don't really know what it means. Nodules are little masses that form on your vocal cords. They often require surgery and can significantly reduce your range and even your ability to sing altogether. So you can see why I was fearful. So as soon as I got home from Beulah, got on the phone to the doctor and got a referral to uh, an ear, nose, and throat specialist. As soon as I saw him, he took a very small uh, camera, but put it through my nasal cavity down to my vocal cords, and it is brutal as you can imagine very painful, and I was thrilled when it was over. The specialist proceeded to tell me he didn't see any nodules, but it's possible that because of vocal rest and a significant reduction in my coffee intake, the nodules went away. Phew! I was in the clear! But what I didn't tell you, though, was the initial quite desperate conversation I had with the receptionist beforehand. She told me it could be six months to a year before I could see the specialist, and while considering I wanted to see him like yesterday, that just wasn't going to be good enough. I told her that I am a worship leader, I am planning on becoming a worship pastor, and if she doesn't get me in as soon as she can, my career could be over. Now, I'd love to tell you that she took pity on me and got me in right away, but that really wasn't the case. She said, I'll get you on a wait list, and if there's a cancellation, I'll get you in. That is how I saw that the specialist. I saw myself through the gifts that God had given me rather than the God who had given me those gifts. I'm going to say that again. I saw myself through the gifts God had given me rather than the God who had given me those gifts. I knew then and I know now it was a detrimental way of thinking. If I had in fact developed nodules and I could no longer do the career or calling I believe I had on my life, what was I going to do? How were people going to see me? That's, that's how I was known. That's what I was known for was, was to be a worship leader. I was, I was a singer. That's all that I knew. 
It made me rethink everything. I had just graduated from Kingswood uh, that spring from my music ministry degree, and I had full intentions of becoming a worship pastor. And I, if I'm being totally honest, I still don't know how I feel because I'm not a worship pastor yet. I don't have all the things I want, but I have to trust that God has me where he wants me. And he has you where he wants you too. Now that might be kind of hard to believe because sometimes it's like, God, how did I get here? What is going on with my life? This is insane. But trust, he has you where he wants you. And that is why we can't have our identity in something like a career because careers change. Life changes. But God doesn't. He is steady. And I'm so thankful that it's not about you. And it's not about me. I bet you weren't expecting to hear that today. <laughs> Believe it or not, your identity has nothing to do with you. Jesus took our identity so that we could have his. Philippians 2, 4-9 says, Let each of you look not only to his, in, his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus knows exactly what it's like to become nothing to be known as a liar to some and definitely not someone who was showy because he really had nothing. He came to earth to show us what having our identity in God really looks like. He was the perfect example for us for so many things, but especially when it comes to who we are and why we're here. Jesus wasn't focused on his appearance. In fact, some people would say that he was quite ugly. Or how much money he had or what job he had he knew why he was here, and his main goal was to accomplish that. It's so easy to get caught up in what we have, what we don't have, how we look to others, how well-liked we are. I'm not speaking on this because I have it figured out. In fact, there have been many moments when I've been thinking about this sermon where I thought, who am I to even speak on this? I haven't overcome this. I'm certainly no expert. But one thing I do know for sure is that I know where my identity needs to be, even if I'm not quite there yet. Maybe you're still having a hard time thinking of what you can resonate with today. So I'll ask another question. What is the thing that if it were suddenly pulled out from under you, you'd start to collapse? I think it's important to be mindful of the things in our lives that make us feel safe and secure. Some things are reliable and some are not. It will likely change depending on the season of life you're in. But what's crucial to remember is that having our identity in Christ brings consistency to a very inconsistent world. What could be more relevant than that point in today's world? We have no idea from one day to the next what will be announced, enforced, posted on social media, and at times, it's really scary. We don't know if we're coming or going. So if we aren't rooted in God, we will crumble. It's too much. We can't handle the ever-changing turn of events we've been dealing with on our own because we were never meant to. 
But none of this and nothing that has ever happened in our lives prior to COVID has taken God by surprise. He knows what you need. And as a child of God, we have safety. We don't have to worry what comes next because we know who we are and we know whose we are. Our identity is found in how much we can emulate Christ and his time on earth while we are on the earth. So I'm going to ask again, who do you think you are? What do you want to be known for? Scripture tells us in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It doesn't say we were created to do good works for our own benefit, our appearance, reputation, but we are created in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. James 3.9 says we are made in the likeness of God. To live a life out of the image of God means to live a life so closely to his that no one would question whom you serve. No one would question what is the most important thing in your life and where you find your worth. If Jesus Christ humbled himself, was mocked, humiliated, and tortured on a cross, why do we think we need to elevate ourselves to have worth? He was the son of God. How much more worth or purpose could someone possibly have? The answer is none. We are called to serve, to make ourselves less so that God can become more in our lives. If you think you need to be elevated above Jesus, it's time to get out of the way. Satan wants us to be so full of ourselves that we have no room left for God. And if he can accomplish that goal you are no longer a threat. Satan doesn't have to ruin your life. He just needs you to be apathetic, complacent, and distant from God to be successful. If you care more about your appearance and status in the world, then you're no threat to him at all. Go ahead, claim Jesus as Lord. But if what you are doing isn't fruitful, then why would he ever have to attack? He has no need. If you truly believe that you are made to be like Christ, you are a child of God, more than a conqueror, a saint of the communion of saints, as Pastor John spoke on a couple of weeks ago, then nothing else matters. Nothing anyone has ever said about you can ever compare to what God says about you. Because of who he is, I am. Point number two, it's not about you. It's about what's been done for you. One of the hardest things I find in my Christian walk is to grasp the truth that Jesus died for me because he loves me. He calls me worthy. He calls me blessed. He is proud of me, and he thinks I'm worth dying for. I keep asking, why, Lord, what is it about me that was worth what you went through on the cross? Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, after reading that, I still have a hard time grasping it. I just don't get it. I may never fully grasp the concept of the love of God, but I am capable, and so are you, of living in the freedom of it. How would you say you receive gifts? Some people do it well. Some people are pretty awkward about it. Someone gives you something, and they're like, oh, no, you shouldn't have. Like, how can I repay you? To receive our identity out of what has been done for us is a gift that we've got to get better at receiving. No, you don't deserve it. None of us do, and we never will. But it's yours. 
Jesus died to give you that gift. How unfortunate would it be to receive such a selfless gift of love and grace and keep pushing it back because we feel unworthy of it? To identify with Christ will never be something you will be worthy of on your own. Jesus died to set us free from the pursuit of striving and trying to be good enough in some way repay what he has done. And how often do we feel like we have to give a gift to someone in return for the gift they gave us or for their kind gesture to us? Friends, it's time to rest. Receive the gift. You can never repay it. So it's time to make the main thing the main thing. Point number three is it's all about Jesus. I think it's important to realize that trying to be like Christ isn't going to happen unless we are with him. We can do all the right things, but if we are trying to do any of it without abiding in him, we will always miss the mark. So... How do we measure this? How do we know if we're doing what we need to be doing in order to become more like him? So glad you asked. The fruit of the spirit is how. Galatians 5, to 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. If you don't have all these things mastered yet, congratulations, you're a human. But if you're intentional about spending time with Jesus on a regular basis, these things will begin to transform in you naturally, or rather, supernaturally. The Spirit is working in us to make us more like Christ. Having the fruit of the Spirit is a direct result of listening to the Holy Spirit and doing what he asks of us, because it's what's best for us. Another scripture I find helpful is Colossians 1.10, and it says, Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So my last question for you today is, where are you at? If you're being honest with yourself, where would you say that you are at with the Lord? Can you confidently say that you identify with Christ at all, let alone have your identity in him? Maybe today going to be the day where you finally choose Jesus. Maybe today is when you realize what it means to be a child of God. He isn't finished with us yet. We are always a work in progress. Philippians 1 6 says, for I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's not done with us yet because we're still here. He will keep working on us. He will keep working through you if you let him. So remember, it's not about you. It's about what's been done for you. And lastly, it's all about Jesus. So today I wanna tell you who God says you are for those of you and myself included who need to hear it. You are loved. You are chosen. You are a masterpiece. You are worthy. You are known. You are no longer a slave, but you are a child of God. You are royalty. You are blessed. You are alive in Christ. You are understood. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are God's special possession.
You are beautiful. I'm going to say that again because so many of us don't believe it. You are beautiful. You are a citizen of heaven. You are strong because your strength comes from God. You are a new creation. And you are set free by the blood of Jesus. That is who you are.